0: Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, the Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SAS District. On today's episode, we'll be talking about how to use storytelling, unsuccessful experiences in your startup, and adapt- adaptive marketing to grow your marketplace. Today, we have our guest, Morali Sadakopan, joining us. He is a-, a marketer and comedian. He's a storyteller who loves communication and solving problems in the web space. He founded a company, got funded, grew it, and then had an unsuccessful exit, which we'll talk about today, where he says he left with no money, but he got lots of experience. He then used that experience and now is the marketing director over at Freshdesk to help grow their marketplace. Uh, about his passions, he's a stand-up comedian with a strong theater background. He's invited to perform in the Short and Sweet Festival in Sydney, uh, and he's always looking forward to talking to people, and that's why we joined him today to, to talk more about his experience. Uh, so he's the head of ISVP, ISV partnerships and partner marketing at Freshworks Marketplace, where he handles all the marketing. Uh, and yeah, welcome to the show, Morelli. Glad to have you on.
1: Absolutely, it's a great pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm I'm really glad. I've been excited to be on this podcast, and I'm looking forward to what we have in store.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, uh, I, before we get started and to set the set the show here, um, I think we have to start off with a joke. I know you're a comedian. I've seen your skits; they're they're pretty hilarious. For people who want to check them out on Instagram, <laughs> that was pretty good. So, if you if you don't mind, I'd love to hear a joke. Uh, I could be nerdy or not, you go for what you have. For. Fantastic.
1: So yeah. see, the, the stand-up comedy comedy persona is very diverse, very different from what I per, have in the marketing and tech space. So I'll try to combine the two and make like a marketing joke of sorts. Sure. So there was this one time I went to this really popular marketing conference here in, my, in India, in my country. So there's a marketing leader, very smartly dressed up, comes up on stage and says, no marketer ever says the truth. Take it from me. I'm one of the world's best marketers out there. And uh, the irony of that was I'd never seen that guy before. And uh, the, the, the the primary thing about marketing is that most people want to confidently be able to spout what they think they know. And it's amazing because I've been to a lot of marketing conferences. I don't think I've really learned much, but the one thing I know is confidence. If you think you, you got it, you can say it. Another thing about technology is every tech company says we're built on some of the world's best tech infrastructure. Now, that's a lot like a real estate guy showing you a brand new house and saying we've used some of the world's best cement and bricks. You're never going to know until the house starts falling a year from now. Sure. So a a lot of life is is what we see at face value. And I think that's my greatest lesson in marketing. Um, Just to start on the lighter side, but we'll discuss a lot more because... Amidst all the comedy, there's quite a bit of tragedy as well that I'm very happy to discuss.
0: <laughs> okay, awesome. So I know on, on the marketing side, you're very involved on, on the leveraging different kind of partnerships and specifically with other technology companies to, to build into the, the marketplace. Um, can you speak a little bit more of what are the main areas of expertise you're at Mary's
1: specifically when it comes to marketing and leveraging those partnerships? Absolutely. So. Primarily, my background came from a lot of... I started very early in my life with content marketing to be able to build an engine where we could constantly create the kind of content that could pull people to come check out our products. When I transitioned into the partnership space, it it really diversified the way we could do marketing. Now, what I handle or my area of expertise is I identify other companies that could integrate with the Freshworks suite of products. And uh, what they do is they build a more comprehensive solution that we can sell to slightly larger customers because we're living in a world where people don't want one thing that solves all. They want a platform that will be able to connect with multiple products out there to be able to solve a large set of use cases comprehensively. So my marketing lies twofold. I try and identify great technology companies that could combine with our technology platform to extend what people can do in the customer engagement space. The second part of it is I identify great innovative new products that could bring a layer on top of our current product. For example, we have a very strong, powerful customer engagement product. Now, there are products out there, are companies out there that are building very advanced AI and ML technologies with which they could automate and simplify a lot of the work we do. So, think of it as us being able to build a very strong base layer with which people could play around and build even more innovative apps. Just to add a thin layer on top of that, right now as we speak, we've brought about an open COVID-19 program where we've offered our platform and a set of resources for any company to be able to build COVID-specific apps that could help solve pertinent problems today. So this is a very niche space where you could play around and do a lot with what is available, which is what excites me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I, I also know, I don't know if Freshworks does this, but I know some companies, for example, like Amazon, uh, they, they open up their space and they want people to, you know, integrate within their platform. And if they bring in some innovative ideas, that's how they end up uh, looking at some of their acquisitions as well. So for people out there, you know, tech owners who are looking for uh, strategic acquisitions to the big boys, it's a good way to get in. And, and if you're making some noise and you get their attention, you know, that's a, that's a way to get their
1: their attention. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just to add to your point, there have been quite a few companies who have, Integrated with Freshworks and eventually gotten acquired as well because they were too critical to the scheme of things. And Freshworks, we realized why integrate with them? Why not just have them in?
0: Exactly. And rather than build it from scratch, hey, okay, let's let's do that. Yeah, that's awesome. So you guys do that. Um, so before joining Freshwork, uh, you co-founded a startup called I think Brick, or Bridge. I don't know how to spell Bridge.
1: It it's it's bridge? it's the actual bridge. It's it's okay. the Latin word from where the origin was. Nobody pronounces it right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. It was a terrible terrible mistake on our part to spell it like that, but the idea was to sort of take it back to the roots to be able to build that product. And, uh, I was very young and, uh, I'm, you look pretty young too. So I'm, 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 I'm guessing we have a fairly active lifestyle when at that point of time, I was in the city. I did not have enough things to do and people of common interest to be able to meet. There were Facebook groups. There were meetups. But it involved bringing communities more than bringing activities together. Think of it like tomorrow morning, you'd like to play, say, uh, touch football with, with eight guys around the block. Um, you can't really instantly find people. We want to be able to solve that problem so anybody could create activities, put it up, and other people of interest will get a notification saying something like this has come up. Think of it like a, a, a Bumble date, except there's no girl and there are no dates. You just meet other people and have fun. Sure. So people started joining in. People used to do fun things like go on long, you know, motorbike rides. People used to play, you know, sports together. People used to tree plantations and charitable campaigns. So that was the agenda with which we started, and it was received very well in the early stages.
0: Nice. So you raised some funds. You built it up over, I think, two years or so. Then you say you ended up with an unsuccessful exit. Uh, can you share that story of the, what that unsuccessful exit meant and what, yeah, what does
1: that mean? Absolutely. Um, so it's every founder's dream to say, hey, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Five of my companies have been you know, acquired. I have like X million dollars in cash. I would have loved to say that story too. Um, unfortunately, life works itself out differently. We were young and we were really charged up by this idea. And when we pitched this idea to people, everybody liked it. When I told them, hey, who do you play golf with? They were like, sometimes my friends were available. Sometimes I'm bored. I'm like, how if you could find other such people to play anything with or connect with or do things with, wouldn't you like it? And they loved it. So we scaled to about 100,000 users very quickly. And uh, people were constantly doing activities. But the thin line in that was things were free, right? As long as they were free and people could do stuff, they were doing it. Now, we had a, a very difficult fork on the road. We could go down the ads path where we put ads there and people could find this slightly an hindrance to the experience. Or we go down the paid experiences path where people have to start paying. Now, that also becomes very touch and go because who would pay for it? I'm creating an activity to find other people. Why do I have to take the brunt of paying for this? So we weren't able to break the that much needed fork and decide which way to go. And at that point, we had put in quite a bit of money to put this product out there, which we'll discuss a lot more about in terms of how, money has to be spent. We put a lot of effort in putting this product out there and people had received it well. Now, as the activities started going up, we had to find ways to back how money comes in for us to get an next round of funding. And 100,000 users is a very dicey spot. It's neither a million free users, neither mm-hmm. is it 5,000 paying users. Mm-hmm. It's 100,000 free users. Good so point. at that point, we were finding it very hard to raise our second round. We already raised the first round. All the people who... Who invested into young entrepreneurs who had, you know, been very established in the industry? They loved the idea. They said, "I want something like this." Most of them signed up for it too, uh, the investors themselves. But uh, the second round was very difficult. So what we did was we went to quite a few companies to say, "This is a product with a great infrastructure. Could you use it? You know, mm-hmm. uh, to build something on top of it in a very different way? Would you want to use it as an office?" uh, internal office connecting platform or, or something else of that sort, um, uh, one or two companies were interested, but this wasn't something they wanted to actively pay for and acquire. Right. So, uh, at that point, Freshworks was one of the companies was, uh, where the founder was genuinely interested in saying, Hey, I, I like the energy of you guys. Um, I don't know if the products have any use to me. Would you like to interview with us and see if you'd like to fit in? And at that point I said, You know, I, I really like the concept of something called a salary. I haven't seen that in two and a half years. (laughs) So let me see if, if, if that's something uh, up my alley and we, I interviewed with them and uh, that evening they offered me a job and that's how I came into this job.
0: Wow. But then how did that exit happen at at that point? Did you, were they the one that exit uh, acquired it or somebody else? Or is that what you mean? You
1: just kind of shut it down. Um, neither actually, very interestingly, the investors were like, were okay. They were very good investors, young people with, who loved young energy. They said, if there is a way, even after you've taken this job to find a way to pass on this infrastructure to somebody, to be able to make some money out of it. We don't want any of it. If you guys could get, because we hadn't taken a salary salary in two years and life had become very difficult in those two years. You know, how the early years of an entrepreneurship is Mm -hmm. so, we, he, They were like, if you could make some money out of this, do it. So we kept it on hold. We continued to run the Amazon service for another year and a half. Um, at one point, the investors said, you know, just pay us a dime each and take the complete uh, ownership off to you. It doesn't matter. I think you guys have really given it the hard effort. But just they say, don't drag a corpse too far. You know, you know that you guys have gotten jobs and you've settled in. So go on with your lives. So when I say an unsuccessful exit, we have mm-hmm. passed on the the, uh, infrastructure to another company for them to build something on top for no payment whatsoever. The reason is we at least wanted somebody to benefit from the good work we'd put in. Um, and the reason why I, I proudly use unsuccessful is I think we need to admit our failures as much as we admit or talk about our successes, because I learned quite a bit from the fact that I was a pauper trying to build a pretty cool app for two years.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the same with like, uh, you know, growth marketers out there, like the initial story you were talking about. So marketers go out there and they they talk about all their wins and all the, the great case studies they built. Um, but if you look at the data, I was speaking to, you know, the growth hacker's CEO, um, and they were saying 75% of experiments fail. But we don't see that 75%, yeah. right? Always is that 25%. So yeah. yeah, you're right. So it's nice to hear those, what the real story is, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I guess you know, adding to that, knowing what you shouldn't do and, and, and focus where you shouldn't focus is equally or maybe even more important than executing and building a business, you know, because you, you need to know where to focus uh, and being crystal clear on that. Looking back, what are things you uh, think you wasted resources on, and what wouldn't you do today if you were to start over again today, doing going back to that same company?
1: Um, two things I would say, um, I, I think marketers. Don't make, and I don't want to say it this way, don't make for great CEOs if marketing is all they got. Hmm. Because you got to have a guy with a great product head in, in your mind. And, And you know, I swear today by the logic that great products sell themselves, Freshworks has taught me that That you build a badass product, you could do a little bit of sprinkling of marketing and it will go all over the place the vice versa is very very difficult because the product is not good enough the gas will 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 give out at some point of time so i'm I, i wouldn't say that our product was gas you know because it was solving a very specific problem but the way the product was built it had to not just solve the problem it had to eliminate other people from ever building something like that But Mm. Facebook was constantly innovating. I'm sure somebody must have spotted something like this. They had built out events by then. Meetup was diversifying to be able to create real-time events as well. Everybody was trying to shove us out of the market. So we spent a lot more marketing dollars to put us in the market. Mm. Now, in this fight, what we should have put into creating a product that helped keep users together, we were trying to market to get more new users. In this little struggle, along the way, we'd run out of cash. And, you know, the popular... Term they use runway was very very short, and um, we needed more marketing dollars. And despite every investor and every investor said this, if I gave you money, I know you guys will be able to market this great. But I'm worried this may not be my best investment. Instead, if we built a great product that had ten thousand really really active paying users, exactly. trust me, I would be doing something very different today.
0: Mm. So focus on the product product led growth at that point. So instead of getting the hundred thousand, let's focus on you know we have these ten thousand. Let's just keep giving them you know awesome stuff and keep them engaged and at some point maybe they'll convert right yeah most
1: of the great products today are that right all of mm. your apples and all of the great products you're addicted to they started off saying i'm going to build a great product all i'm going to even say in the marketing side is hey check this out that's all you need because you the minute you get your hands on it you're like man this is outstanding
0: exactly and that's actually something at horizon capital we, we look at when we look at products for acquisitions or investments we look at companies who you know product led uh, ceos who built amazing products um, you know have low churn high li- lifetime value high engagement because we know that they, and a lot of them say look i haven't done any marketing and but they've gotten to a certain point with zero marketing and that's perfect but they're tired they're burnt out they don't want to they don't want to think about marketing and that's fine that's at the point where we come in and we feel confident to grow up because that's what we're good at right and fantastic yeah so what made you so you decided to join Freshwork at that point you wanted a salary but you had a choice at that point you exited the business you had a track record you've you know learned some experience in marketing entrepreneurship um why didn't you go and maybe say you know raise another fund and build something new was it just because uh you know just to change it up and and because the opportunity was there
1: okay so there were three things to this at that point of time i was 26 years old and uh, i don't think i could call myself a wise guy at 26 i was still by most VC standards, when they looked at me and I still don't look like that, they were like, who's this kid? So (laughs) I had... I had built a little bit of expertise, but what the right term use for is experience, which was not something I was backed by because I'd already been running this from 24 to 26. And it's a very sweet time where most people try and learn a lot. And if you see some of the most fabulous founders today are between 35 and 45 and they've built outstanding products because they have spent 15 years between 20 and 35 learning how to build that product. So when uh, bridge failed, I realized out of all of the failures, the one thing I should have learned was what it goes into building great products. What it goes, what goes into building a great company, and the only way to learn it is to actually work for a company where people have done that and done that in fabulous fashion. Mm. And now today, Freshworks is sort of a, a fabulous, well-established brand. Um, three three and a half years ago, when I joined them, they were still a great brand. But what I loved about them was there was a, there was hockey stick growth everybody was talking about it. They were like, who are these guys? You know, remember that new kid in in, in NFL who everybody's like, man, that guy's got a great kick to him. Something mm-hmm. like that. So we were like, I'd like to come here and learn from them as they grow because mm-hmm. this had a great mix of three things. Uh, good products, fabulous growth hacking and marketing and three great investment backed support, which means if we wanted to do something crazier, the investors saying, here, take the money to do it because I know you guys can pull this off. So just and all of this was after I got the job because we had not gone to the CEO to find jobs. We'd gone to the CEO to see if we can pitch an acquisition. Right. But at that point, I realized, really, this is a good time to learn stuff. If you could go out and try another entrepreneurship, you could talk about your experience as an entrepreneur, but instead, five years down the line, you're a, you're an unsuccessful entrepreneur who's raised investment and brought a company to a certain level while also learning four to five years of what it takes to be able to build a genuinely successful working product, build a good partnership engine. So tomorrow investors are a lot more secure, but confident in backing you if you want to go out and build something again, which is why I decided I'll take the job.
0: Yeah, it makes complete sense. And what would you say are some key lessons you learned from your, your venture that you brought over when you first started at Freshworks, if there was any, and maybe there was something the, the CEO saw in you that you could help them, you know, from, from those two years of experience.
1: I remember one thing. Um, I'll tell you the both the positives and the negatives, right? Uh, there's, there's, uh, being a founder would mean it's, it's a very tight, uh, tight rope you walk. <laughs> so when, I, when you walk in, and let's admit this, every founder comes with a little bit of ego. Man, I've been a founder before. I think I, at some level, there's nobody above me. So when we came in, we came in with that attitude of wanting to build something and to be able to own building that, that's something of sorts. So we had that complete uh, approach to it. For example, we look at everything like a small startup, which is so. When I came into Freshworks, I looked at everything like if this were a startup, what would I do? So it, it went from creating a very strong uh, market research to be able to create a business plan, to be able to understand all of the uh, uh, shortcomings there could be, and 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 things like even this simplest project would mean that I was going to look at a SWOT analysis for it and see whether this was something that's going to work and then put out a, 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 metrics plan to see if the money would result in ROI and then actually go out and do it. So it had a very comprehensive approach to it. But the negative side was I wanted to own most of it. Like I really loved that. I wanted to own it. Hmm. It, it did become a detriment very early on where some of my managers were like, you know, you got to involve other people too in this process. Hmm. And, um, it took me a little while, about a one and a half, two months, because it's been two and a half years of me just deciding to do stuff and agreeing with founders. So I well, well, there were the managers were fantastic and very helpful, though. They saw that they didn't highlight this as a you have a problem. They highlighted this as you could convert this into a positive, use the team to start working together, collaborating and working, which meant we built a fabulous team. And that's how everything started. When, when I joined Freshworks, we had 30 apps. We had just launched something called a Freshworks Marketplace. Today, we have 1,156 apps. Wow. We have over 800, 900 partners. We can integrate with pretty much anything under the sun. So it all happened because somebody at some point of time said, it's all right. This guy thinks like a startup. We could use that and tweak it to get mm-hmm. positive results. Makes so I'd sense. say that was a magical learning for me. That's an
0: interesting uh, mentality going in, right? Because I think when you're a founder, you have a very small team, you're very lean, and you try to do as much as possible on your own. But then when you yeah. go in there and you're like, "Look, I actually have an entire team I can leverage, and you know they're probably a lot better at like you know designing this and 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 have experience in this the product than I do." But uh, you know I'm just so used to doing it on my own, so that's that's cool that you you know now you probably have a better understanding on how to leverage that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah big time. I, and I think independence is 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 a positive, you got to look at it as a positive and say, I like to do things independently. But yeah. teamwork is the biggest plus there can be. And, and the kind of talent there is in this company, just being able to bounce off ideas meant there were people out there who had the confidence to say, no, that sucks. Don't ever <laughs> repeat that idea uh-huh. again, because that sucks. And it felt good to know, man, somebody disagrees with me because very few <laughs> people did back in my previous entrepreneurship role
0: That's true. That's true. Um, so you work on the partnership side to help, you know, market that fre- Freshworks marketplace over a thousand uh, integrations. How did these partnerships uh, work? If you can get a little more detail on why should other SaaS founders consider leveraging this channel for their own growth? So if I'm a startup, uh, I want to come to Freshworks. Well, why should I consider, you know, putting
1: the time and resources to integrate with you guys? Great question, actually. This is the question that I, I want to answer for every founder out there. And I'll answer two pronged. One is... Why you should come integrate with the Freshworks Marketplace to why you should have your own marketplace. So, number one, um, if you see small companies out there, everybody has a, a, a linear growth model where they're going after an inside sales, where they're going after a field sales approach, where they're trying to find new customers. They probably have a very lean SDR team that's trying to reach out to people and ask if they're interested in a product like this. But how is your product actually out there? Because if you are small and new, you're not on the magic quadrant of Gartner, You're not on the top 10 list and G2 crowd or or any of that. So how, uh, and uh, a product hunt listing would at best mean a few eyeballs, but it does not mean that people think your your solution is back. So when you come to something like a marketplace, what you do is, for example, I'm going to assume that you are a a startup that uh, takes call uh, recordings and then analyzes key information to give out insights on what customers are asking for. Now, mm. assume this is your product line. We have a, 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 a Freshworks has both a customer support and a calling tool. When you want to be able to give your uh, services out there, you're trying to find call centers who would want to use your informi- your you know AI software to be able to find what customers are asking asking for the most, and to be able to go to and l- call centers that are mostly large. Why would they wouldn't listen to a 12 member company sitting out of some random small uh, Midwestern city, to, you know, to buy you out. But if you integrate with Freshworks and are listed on a proven marketplace with thousand plus apps, where you say, I integrate with Freshworks, say Caller, to be able to take all of their calls, understand the recordings, and to give out key insights on these are the top 10 or 20 things that your customers ask for, which you could automate using either knowledge bases, FAQs, or bots it would mean that you could reduce your tickets by 24%. Now, suddenly you're talking business. Mm. And uh, what we do as Freshworks is that we believe that partners partners are gods. They're like, they're our guests and we should treat them at utmost respect because that's how our business grows too. I'll explain both sides. Okay. Now, if you are a, a partner, we want you to get maximum value. So what we will do is we do join programs where we, do uh, marketing out to our customers about the joint solution where we say we're not just a calling software; we are now an AI back calling software with fresh caller plus, for example, a keel to be able to uh, get key insights so that you can improve your call volumes and while also getting better output from your calls. And we will promote this using collaterals. We'll support you in our annual conferences. We will put word out there through initiatives, and we will connect you with our sales teams. Now, what happens is you're getting a lot more visibility for free without ever having to put yourself out there. So, so many of the small 12-member, 13-member companies have enterprise customers because of Freshworks today. Because they were like, wow, I'm, I'm excited that you guys have that extra addition. Talk to me about it. What we do is we instantly ping that partner and say, can you come on a call with our customer? We'd like to present your idea, I mean, your product as well along with ours. That way, both products are sold. For us, this is the second side. Mm. Today, as I said, people don't ask just for, hey, give me calling software. They will say, I'm getting too many calls. I hate it. I want a solution. So I'm not going to say I have fresh caller. I'm going to say, here's how I can reduce your call volumes by 20% while also giving you a very enhanced calling experience. Try fresh caller plus Akhil. So we will present a comprehensive solution to the customer. So the propensity of us closing customers significantly increases thanks to our partners. The propensity of you even finding customers as a small company called Akil.com increases massively because you are on our marketplace. So it's a win-win situation for why I always say, go out and partner with as many established players. And the last part, which is why I said you should have a marketplace is when you grow, make 10 other small companies grow because Mm -hmm. you owe it to this world to be able to contribute back to every company was a small company someday. And everybody wishes, man, somebody was out there for me to latch on to. So when you become a $50, $100, 150000000 million company, go out to the $2 million companies and say, come integrate with me. I won't put you in front of 10 more customers because trust me, you lose not a penny by putting good partners out there in front of your customers.
0: Right. And so what type of uh, SaaS integrations are you currently looking to partner with? Like, what are you uh, checking for? Is it size of their business, the the quality of their team? I, I don't know, like what stage do they have to be to be added to your marketplace? I imagine, you know, right now, like remote-based companies uh, do,
1: you know, or, or, or platforms would be helpful or, or some kind of integrations there? But So um, we have a suite of products primarily in customer and employee engagement. So we have a fresh desk, which is our flagship product, which is customer support and yeah. fresh service, which is uh, a sort of our flagship in the employee engagement. Uh, it, it works to be able to provide internal IT support. It's an ITSM tool. Great. So along with this, we have a fresh sales, which is a CRM so between these three products you can integrate with a plethora of tools primarily i would say if you are in the ai ml space where you can automate some of the things our products can do the third if you're able to do analytics take the data that we are giving to be able to improve on it four if you are in the space of adding um, a separate value along with what we do for example there are companies as unique as gifting softwares that are integrating with us for every customer who raises a ticket and uh, the ticket is resolved and it's a loyal customer with one click, the company can send them a gift, which is a small integration inside our product. So by that, I mean, we're restricting nobody, However small you are, however unique your product is. If there is a genuine use case for you to integrate with our products, we will welcome you on board.
0: Wow. That's awesome. And what are some trends you guys are seeing? users adapting and moving towards, you know, say specifically to a, the COVID-19 virus. And then most businesses now shifting remotely. Do you see them uh, saying you're using a specific integration more or um, yeah, like a, a suite of type of
1: integrations now, like in the last few weeks or, or months? So, Definitely, I think the most obvious answer is people have started using remote sharing tool integrations the most right now. Because back then, at at least at some level, uh, people had some physical contact, but now the number of call volumes have really gotten sky high. So a lot more remote sharing applications are happening. Bot applications are taking precedence. I can't take the number of calls, man, customers can't stop nagging me. If I could remove 30% of those calls, I would love it. So bot integrations have really taken precedence where if it could deflect more than 25-30% of our incoming queries and in the CRM and the ITSM space, what it, see the ITSM space has now become very weak because um, people mm. are not coming to the office. So which means all of that we have to do has to be entirely what we can do to remote support. So in that we're still seeing the trends of people being able to uh, at still uh, we call it robotic process automation without humans sitting in the office. Can we you know do a lot of the work that humans used to do? So those kind of integrations are really taking precedence in the ITSM space as well. Mm. So COVID has brought about a lot of um, automation. COVID has brought about a lot of um, new approach to solving existing unique approaches to solving existing problems. Cool. So, if you're a company out there that has is thriving in this COVID time, where you've found a unique way to solve problems, do integrate with Freshworks because we could open up the market to you.
0: Okay, I want to play a devil's advocate here. I'm, I'm a big, I do love integrations, and I'm a big advocate for it. But um, I've spoken to some founders, specifically in B2B SaaS companies. Um, they've built a few integrations. They've gotten wildly successful results. Uh, almost building their entire lead generation funnel and, and sales engine through them. Um, one specifically, I know, for example, they integrated with Intercom, and I think they landed a client like Walmart through that. Uh, another one was uh, it's in the, in the email marketing space. They you know they went through like the the Shopify's and the WooCommerce, uh, and they got l- a lot of their initial leads through there. But then they decide they say, okay, wow, well, we it worked with the uh, Intercom or worked with the uh, you know WooCommerce and Shopify. Let's go after Magento. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's double down. It's worked. And what, happened, and what happens is they get nothing. Okay. So from your experience, uh, you know, like they, they say, look, we, then we end up doing like 30 integrations. We spent all this development cost. Um, how can a SaaS founder or marketer validate whether that partnership will be worthwhile for their product uh, before actually investing all that time and
1: money? Beautiful question. It's yeah. a very tricky space and I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. So don't evaluate size. If you are looking at a at a, at a partnership with a company, don't look at the size of the company or the product or the maturity. Look at how well their partner program is structured. The mm-hmm. partner program is the way in which you can evaluate whether this is something that you want to put your resources in. And uh, rest assured, any integration you build is a 2-3 to three month developer resources, developer expertise, um, the the economic uh, investment you're putting into all of this, and you need to be able to validate it. So, if you're looking at a partner program where there are proven track records of other players who have seen this, and this is players in your space. If mm. a random fintech company has seen space, you as a customer engagement company shouldn't go out and integrate. You need to find other such companies that have seen value like this, and... There is also the the relationship you're building with the people who represent the partner program out there. I say 99% of great partnership is the relationship you have with the partner. If you're Mm -hmm. able to, you know, most of my partners are fabulous guys who are always ready to welcome me and take me out for drinks because apart from the fact that they've done good business, they have a great rapport with me. We've Mm -hmm. tried to put them in front of customers at every juncture possible. So you got to be able to validate all of this before you jump in. I I don't want to blame any of the companies you mentioned, but if their partner program was not built with proper razor sharp precision, and it should be the first thing I said, partner focused, it can't Mm. be me focused, if it is pay me X amount of money, whenever I think a customer will ask, I will let you know, apart from that, I will do no marketing to promote you. That's not a product company you want to partner with because Mm. It's 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 like gambling. You're shooting in the dark, exactly. hoping you'll hit someday, and, and that's exactly. not worth
0: it. And there's no data, right? I don't think they really share their data. And, and even though it's you know it might be specific to one company, that could have been at a certain time, but it, it might not apply to you, right? Um, yeah. Do you see that like for if you have your co- competitors listed on
1: there, would you would you want to also go there as well? I I would say it, it, it's 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 a, it'll come to a point where it, it'll be a, it'll be criminal if you're no longer there. So don't push it that far If all of your competitors are there. They are there for a reason. Now I, I, and my partner, so my closest uh, allies are the sales teams because they keep coming to me and saying, I have this problem. You have a partner who can solve this problem because otherwise I lose the customer. This is a common thing. I keep hearing from sales guys. I had a great rapport with them. So at that point of time, the ones who were listed, I used to keep picking them and saying, Hey, this guy can do it. Check it out. And they're like, this guy is not a great player in this region. Do you have another player? And I was mm. like, there is another player, but he's not integrated with me yet. So I'm sorry. And I have actually at times gone and reached out to them and said, I have a customer interested. If you integrate with me by July, I will give you a customer. If not, goodbye and good luck. Wow. So we're open. We're very open in the sense. See, we're, I, I I think there's only loss for us if we don't integrate with good people. There is no win for us if we don't integrate with people. Mm. So we don't do favoritism. And uh, how it also works is we our marketplace is open in public. If a customer says, for example, "Do you have a, a an AI bot integration?" I would be like, "Check out our bots, you know, category in the marketplace. Whoever you think fits best, we're happy to pull them on during the demo." Mm. So we're not trying to be a favorite for anything. We believe every partner matters, and everybody, every partner who we've pitched to says, "All of my competitors are there. How do I know I'll have business?" And I ask them, "Every competitor is there in your business field. Why are you still having shop?" Yeah. why don't you shut shop and go home yeah, that's true but you're there so which means somebody still wants you despite all of your competitors i'm using the same argument so get on the marketplace already
0: makes sense yeah i mean that's the reason why you're in business right you're diff- you're, you're different or better and somehow uh, so yeah. that, I, I like that you guys actually you know if, if the client comes to you and say hey like i don't like this one you have you guys actually go out and you'll try to find a better solution that's awesome um so you guys now have over, I think, 13 products now within the suite of yeah. Freshworks. Uh, now, specifically on the growth experiments, um, other than you know partnerships, can you share other successful growth experiments that have worked really well for any or across all, any of these products that maybe have surprised you or the team, you know, maybe not specifically in your
1: area, but that you've seen? Um, we're a company that, are, that strongly, every part of us believes that if it works for you, Only then should it work for the world. Every product has been built that way. Um, people don't know it from the, apart from fresh desk, even fresh desk at some level, I'd say was an experiment. After that, when fresh service was launched, it was launched after we'd been using it internally for over seven months. We realized that the products we'd been paying for were costing us a fortune. We were a 300, 400 member company. We were like, is this something we can build with the infrastructure we have and the experience we have building fresh desk. That's how we started building Fresh Service. Another great growth metric you want to spot is how are people, how are customers using my product for things that I didn't pitch it for. I'll explain what this is. Freshdesk is a customer engagement tool. It was built to provide customer support to your customers, but so not so many, quite a few of our customers were using it internally be able to give out like you know uh either laptops uh mouses or you know to be able to install software they were tweaking our ticketing system adding integrations to be able to solve this problem so we reached out to them and said hey why are you doing this they were like we love your experience you are just that perfect affordable cost we can't pay for those ma- behemoths out there we were like damn why aren't we listening to you so <laughs> That's when we took Freshdesk. We built a whole different ITSM engine, got the ITIL certification, and then launched Fresh Service. And then it took off like a rocket because every customer who was already using Freshdesk for this just said, "I will stop paying here and start using Fresh Service." And because I already have customers anyway, I'm going to use Freshdesk also for that, which meant that this we weren't losing the customer; we were getting them on a new product, which means we were upselling slash cross selling. And we get free validation because he's been a customer for three years. So he was going screaming off a rooftop, saying, guys, they got fresh service. (laughs) It's as good as fresh test, but different. So fresh service picked up like that. So I would say the two things you got to look at is it should work for you. Every product of ours should work for you. Number two, look at um, patterns in which people are tweaking your product for their needs. It means that it has worked for them without you realizing that it could work for them. And those are great uh, insights for you to start building better products.
0: Love it. So you you guys actually just solved your own pl- uh, problem. Like you had seven hundred clients ready to use this product, and then uh, yeah, you built it. And then the second one was just you know listening to your customers. Like that's that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it worked. It worked well for us, and and that's one of the practices that has helped us scale to where we are today.
0: Nice. So what's uh next for you? What's next for Freshworks? And uh, I guess what are you guys looking forward to to the for the rest of 2020?
1: 2020 has been very challenging, Akhil. I'm not going to lie about it. 2020 for everybody, yeah. shook us up, shook us up big time. People oh. began to wonder whether you know business would be the same. And if you see, we have been some of the fastest growing companies out there. Every year we've been clocking mad growth, and uh, um, we came out of India. And for us to be able to you know challenge uh, uh, Silicon Valley leaders out there in very large mid-market enterprise deals was a big deal. But this year was definitely different for us and right, right now it's not even like we don't even care about competitors just for us internally it was very difficult because we were we had businesses that had not opened for four and a half months and we can't blame them for our, for saying i don't want to continue using your support software because i don't have any customers to support man i haven't True. opened my manufacturing industry in, in four and a half months in my and quite literally my employees are sick so it was a very difficult emotional situation for us, and our and our CEO, being one of the, the most empathetic people out there, he had an honest, you know, plea and said, "We need to understand our customers." I know we every every company says be there for your customers. Every company says do what you need, but now is the time we truly do it. If you are out there, you gotta listen to your customers and see what we can do to support them. So some mm. of the things we did this year, and I'm really happy is. Especially in India, we provided our software for free to multiple key initiatives so that they'd be able to use that to help COVID patients, to be able to we used our bot for people to be able to register now, COVID testing, if you're you you know you're worried, you may have symptoms. We had a bot with which it answered a few questions so that you can understand if you genuinely have those symptoms and get a test, uh, and things like that. Cool. We started a startup program this year, where if you are affected by COVID and your business is weak, we will give you our softwares for free or at really nominal prices. You, you know, you can just Google Freshworks COVID-19 and you will find that, um, link come up where you can go and sign up for our softwares. What we're looking this year is, I think we've overlooked great growth and revenue. We want to be out there to be able to support teams that are struggling. Remote Mm. teams that are still trying to rebuild from all the impact that COVID has done to them. I think that's what 2020 is for. I think 2021, we are going to go back, pull our socks up and start hitting straight sixes and home runs. But 2020 is a year we want to sit back, listen and genuinely be out there for the people that matter.
0: That's yes, that's awesome. Um kudos to to your CEO and the and the leadership team, whoever kind of made that decision. So uh yeah, that's that's awesome. I know I know that's what a lot of companies are saying right now, right? They're in survival mode. Um yeah. and I mean if you're there to help them in any way possible, like that's that's huge. So that's that's great. Um and were you guys already uh, you know, working remotely and, and uh you know having having that infrastructure, or was it a big kind of change for you guys at internally?
1: We have always been a, a very work from wherever, but work well, a kind of a, a, an approach company. Here you see our offices, very relaxed, more beanbags than chairs. And yeah, uh, it's it's been, it's a very uh, relaxed setup. So when we all had Max as well, so the minute, you know, this happened, even a little before the government announced lockdown, our CEO said, please safely, don't come to work anymore. You, you please stay at home. And everybody could work remotely. Again, there are tiny things like Wi-Fi problems and simple fact that it's, it's a mental miracle to work in a bedroom all day. It's, it's, it, it breaks yeah. your head open. <laughs> so the, they were still helpful. They, in fact, opened up a, a, a tiny sort of a, uh, an extra uh, a financial package for you to be able to buy resources that you need to be able to work through COVID. And nice. he offered that to all of the employees. And uh, very early on, he announced saying, we don't want any employee to come to the office until the end of December, we are giving an optional work from home for you to work at home forever till the end of 2019, 2020, because uh, this is not something where we desperately need you to come here. As long as you are able to keep the cycle rolling, you're able to work comfortably at home, please go for it and buy whatever you need with the resources we're providing you, but stay safe and stay home.
0: Nice. Awesome. Well, I'm sold on, on uh, you know, uh, the integrations. Uh, I, I'm even more sold now after this conversation and then also Freshworks. So people who are listening to this, highly recommend you guys check them out. Uh, I've used them in the past as well, and I know their their product is fantastic. Um, okay. So on a lighter note, maybe let's fi- finish off with a, a final joke to end off the episode and uh, work in oh, our oh, audience, <laughs> get in touch with you, learn more <laughs> about what you're working on.
1: Um, I'm not going to do uh, um, a marketing or a tech joke anymore. Okay, I do okay. one joke about uh, appraisals in general. And appraisals are a lot of fun. I've been in some pretty hilarious appraisals. So I was in a very difficult company in the very early on in my career. But there was a manager who was a master at talking. So one day he pulled me in during the appraisal season and said, Murli, um you were amazing. But there are just about nine people ahead of you on the bell curve. You were a 10-member team. Um, and he says, it's not that you were bad. It's just the first half and the last two quarters when you were terrible. So at all (laughs) points of time, you don't know you're being screwed. So he finally ends up saying it's not. So there were three buckets, first, second, and third. And then, you know, you get into, go back into probation and stuff. So he says, I want to give you the first and the second bucket, but here's the thing. If you were deserving of it, I, I, I would have given you that. So I would say what you're deserving of is the third bucket. And I think you should be delighted with that. So he convinced me that I sucked without <laughs> ever actually telling me. And before I knew it, I got a, pittins, like a box of groundnuts in my pay package. So appraisals are, are hilarious for me. I've learned a lot. And today as a manager, I've been very empathetic to my employees thanks to how managers were to me back in the day.
0: <laughs> nice. I'd love to do that kind of appraisal system. And maybe learn have a manager like you. <laughs>
1: Cool. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, this was uh, great, Akhil. It was uh, it was great fun, and I think it was a great learning for me to be here. And yeah, thank you so much for this.
0: Absolutely, thank you. Thanks again, Morley. Much. We've been touched. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you all for listening in to today's episode. Don't forget to join us for another episode where we interview top leaders and experts in the business and SaaS industry. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you please give us a five star review on iTunes. That would be really, really appreciated. Otherwise, if you have any feedback, suggestions or improvements for this podcast, please feel free to send it directly to me on our website at horizoncapital.com or you can just tweet me at Akil Jabbar. Thanks again and hope to see you guys on the next episode.